0: You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 28.
1: And then my husband had to get up because he was picking up his friend at the airport who was visiting from Japan. He was going to spend the night with us. So he went to get him. And then I got up after he left again. I'm like, I might as well get up and get going. I went to the bathroom and then my water broke. So I wanted pancakes. I was like, I want a real breakfast before we go anywhere. I'm making pancakes. So I'm in the kitchen i'm making chocolate chip pancakes and then the contraction started around like eight o'clock
2: I'm like, okay
1: all right i can handle these a little intense for the minute or so maybe 45 seconds at first but i kept going powered through my husband came home with his friend from the airport and i was like well we're having a baby today so he can eat breakfast with us but then we're gonna have to find some other plans for him for tonight
0: Have you subscribed to the show yet? Please be sure to do that wherever you're listening to this or over at birthmattersshow.com so you don't miss out on anything. In today's story, Nicole shares about an unexpectedly brief six-hour unmedicated first labor in a Long Island hospital with midwives and with the support of her husband and a doula. Before she goes into her birth story, she describes her background as a child life specialist in a hospital setting, as well as her love for teaching prenatal yoga and pursuit of education in aromatherapy. She also details the ways she learned to really listen to and honor her body in slowing down, reflecting, and journaling to connect with her baby. Listen to hear how, after her water breaks at home, Nicole decides to calmly make chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast for not only her and her husband, but for a house guest from Japan whom JP brings home from the airport the very morning she goes into labor. They join up with their doula for the hour-long drive out on Long Island to their hospital, arriving simultaneously with their midwife, pretty much just in time to push and give birth. She goes over newborn protocols and special requests she made and provides details about early challenges she and her baby faced in breastfeeding. Learn about a model of care that Nicole found to be super supportive, whereby a lactation consultant was in-house at her pediatrician's office. Finally, Nicole shares about the benefits of prenatal yoga from the perspective of both a yoga teacher as well as from having continued the practice as a pregnant person. Before we start today's story, this episode is brought to you by an online course called Supporting Her. For couples who decide it's preferred for their spouse or partner to provide active support for the laboring person, those partners have a vital role to play toward a great birth. Created by expert birth educator and doula and my friend, Alice Turner, supporting her is an easily consumable online class that teaches tips, techniques, and actionable skills to help you take care of your partner and yourself during labor and birth. You'll learn how to define your role in labor, communicate with hospital staff, provide physical and verbal support, and deal with any curveballs. Supporting Her is an easy way to learn all you need to know at your own pace in less than two hours from your computer or phone. I like to point out the fun fact that this class was recorded in a brewery, which helps it feel more like a relaxed conversation with a friend. To grab this course for only $49 and start building partners' confidence today, or to learn more, visit birthmattersnyc.com slash links and click the button for the Supporting Her online course. You can also find a link in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started with today's birth story. Welcome to the Birth Matters Podcast. Today I have Nicole with me. Welcome, Nicole. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's so great to see you. So how long ago did you give birth?
1: Not too long ago. No. uh, Frankie is five and a half months old. So she was born on August 17th in 2019. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Great. And you returned to work not too long ago, right? About a month ago
1: or so or two months Yes. Yeah. Right before Christmas. Yeah. How's how has that transition been? It's been, it's been really good. I we're very lucky that we're in the position where I could go back part-time to work. And and my husband, he works some from home and then is freelance. So he takes care of Frankie when I'm at work. We're kind of playing do si do, and that's that makes it a lot easier, I think, to leave her because I know she's having a blast with her daddy. <laughs> that's so great. I love that. Yeah.
0: That's, that's what my husband and I did, tag teamed. It's yeah. nice when you have work schedules that can accommodate that. You know, most, I feel like most people don't have that, but, yes. but it is nice if you're able to swing it.
1: Do you want to share a little bit about what you do for a living? Yeah. So I, I do a few different things. Sometimes a jack of all trades, but I primarily right now I'm a child life specialist at Cohen Children's Medical Center and I've been there for 10 years. I just celebrated my 10 year anniversary there. Congratulations. Thank you. And so, and most people don't know what that is, but a child I was about to ask, yeah, is like, what does that mean? It's sort of like a counselor slash educator slash life coach for kids, I kind of call it in the medical setting specifically, and I work in surgery. So I help prepare children and their families for going to the operating room and the surgical process. Um, So we do lots of medical play. We do, um, for the older kids, it's education on what's happening that day and what anesthesia is and how they're gonna fall asleep, just to eliminate as much fear around the process as we can and try to promote positive coping in that setting.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds like such important work. And is there a specific degree you needed in order to pursue that work?
1: There there are some, there's very few schools that have child life specifically as a degree. Bank Street College in Manhattan is the closest one here that has a full child life program. But otherwise, a lot of people come from different angles, which is really cool. My background was in elementary education originally some people have special education training. Others are more from the psychology, child development um, background. And then there's specific training you have to do for child life, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I have a blast. So that's my that's part time at the hospital. And then I also am a yoga teacher, and uh, I love teaching prenatal yoga, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I'm also where do you in- teach? Oh, right now I'm actually I took a break from teaching since I had Frankie. Um, previously I was teaching at two different places in Astoria. Um, at the yoga studio and which was previously the Giving Tree and that was my home. That's where I learned from the very start and and then also at Matrix Fitness. I taught there too. So had a lot of fun teaching. I can't wait to get back into it. I'm, I'm feeling ready now. Great. Um, and and then I also am in aromatherapy school. So, and what caused you to want to pursue that? I I fell in love with essential oils when I did one of my yoga trainings. Included it's a a class called Aroma Yin, which is a beautiful class and it's super relaxing and it includes essential oils and aromatherapy into a Yin yoga practice and. Once I learned just like a little bit about them, I dove into like a full self-study of essential oils and loved them so much. I knew I had to, to just for myself and for, my, for our own home of using sort of alternative medicine, the essential oils are just incredible. So working on that too in the few minutes <laughs> here and there now when I have time to get that done. My goal is to finish that in the next couple of months.
0: Nice. And have you thought about what you'd like to do with it besides just for your personal benefit?
1: I'm, I'm sort of working, working on that. That's my own personal business. I call moving peace, um, which you can follow me. We'll drop that, uh, at moving peace and that's moving M O V I N G P E A C E. You're Mm -hmm. finding your own peace of mind is sort of a culmination of that self-study and exploration for bringing those things together of yoga and essential oils and meditation. And I'm not really sure where where it's leading me. I, I really just dove into it for my own interest, but I feel like it fits so well with the other things that I work on and use. I've even... I'm working on getting the the aromatherapy brought into the hospital setting a bit more. So there's so much you can do with it. It's like, I need to hone in on exactly where I want to go because my mind just quickly goes to all these different places. There's so many things. There's so many ways to use it and and so many things you can do.
0: Nice. And I'd love to hear as you launch into your birth story in a few minutes, just like how, what you used in labor along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, And I'll be sure to include your website and your social media info in our show notes so listeners can go there if they want. Thank you. So next, why don't we talk about uh, if you'd like to share your prenatal journey and how, what was that like? What did you do to prepare for birth and the entry into parenthood,
1: all that? Yeah. So I, I did my prenatal yoga training actually almost two years ago now, which is crazy. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was two years ago. And when, once I did that training, I knew that that was like a path I was going to follow in terms of, um, my work that like my yoga teaching and, and also working with children and families. I really want to, wanted to focus on on pregnancy and births and working with mothers and families and preparing for that process. And I've always been obsessed with birth and not really, I'm just like super interested in it, love watching videos and hearing people's stories. And once I did the prenatal training and had this like totally new world opened up to me, I just thought that like, this is fascinating. I can't wait to go on this journey myself. Like when we're ready to start a family. And I just, I knew that there was something so, so important about that work. And it really became even more clear once we did start our own family and once we did get pregnant. So once we got pregnant, I knew that teaching yoga was going to be helpful for me because it would force me to do yoga at least once a week. And then I tried to take advantage of all that practice that I had and really use that to help ground myself when I was feeling a little stressed out. Also the stretching was really helpful. I had some sciatic pain that started pretty early, maybe week 14, I could no longer lay flat. And I learned that while teaching yoga and went, oh wow, that is a different sensation than I've ever felt before. And being a very, very active person, that was that was a little hard for me. And it was a huge lesson in slowing down. So that even jump started like a different mindset and how i needed to approach pregnancy and my self-care was to take a step back and not do so much and that was really hard.
0: Yeah, that can be especially challenging for fitness professionals or people who are really used yes. to trusting their body and pushing their body, but it's good that you were able to or kind of maybe just by necessity you noticed that and had to
1: adapt. Yeah, yeah, that was really big. So So that even just being able to say no to things was hard at first, but it became to it got to the point where it was it was physically impossible for me to agree to cover other classes or, you know, do some of the other activities I was used to doing. And so I turned more to more education. I did a ton of reading. Um, I have a whole list of books too that I'd be happy to share. One of my favorites was uh, Mama Natural such a great book. It encompasses so much information and covers so much. It's a great a great book and I use it now as a gift when I have friends who find out that they're expecting. I send that to them. So that was really, really helpful. and it has recipes so I would you know, it was helping me because I was also really, really nauseous in the beginning. The first trimester was tough. <laughs> that was also a whole nother lesson in slowing down. It really forced me to, to rest, to sleep. Um, and, and sort of lean into those more subdued practices of more meditation, journaling. I did a lot of writing, a lot of journaling in the beginning, which is really cool to look back on now. And I even started a journal for Frankie, my daughter, that's written just to her. Like I I wrote it to her while I was pregnant. Love that. that. Oh, that's so sweet. It felt really good every time I did that. It was a really great way to connect to the baby yes. and, and ground me again, just keep me centered and really focused on this journey because it goes by so fast. I know for me, it did. A lot of people say like, oh, my pregnancy felt like forever. And for me, it just kept zipping by and I wanted to, to really stay present to it. So that writing really helped. And it also is so cool to look back on because that mom brain thing is real. And I would forget certain things. I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't remember. You know, when did we do this? Or what was I even – I don't know. 17 questions will come up in one minute of what I'm forgetting. So that's really cool to look back on and reread. And then now I'm making it a part of, like, my book of Frankie, her little – like I have a book that we put photos in and we write little things that she's doing each month and all her milestone. So it's cool to include those things.
0: Such a great idea to have something that spans from pregnancy starts there because you often people's baby books don't start until after yeah. birth, but like they're yeah. there for so many months before.
1: <laughs> right, That's really beautiful. And, and I, the other thing that was really important to me too, which I tried to instill in my prenatal yoga classes, because that that class is so important to me, is that there is so much fear around, for a lot of people, there's a lot of fear around pregnancy, around labor and birth, and then stepping into parenthood is a whole new chapter of life. And I have a lot of friends that were really struggling with anxieties. And a lot of students coming to my classes would open up and share about things that they were really afraid of or scared of. And I feel like sometimes that can take away so much of the joy that your pregnancy can be when you do feel good and when you do have the energy that you want to have. And so, you know, using things like meditation, like yoga, like just walks, just slowing down and writing and reflecting a lot, just it really helped me stay present to it and enjoy my pregnancy as much as I could.
0: I love that so much that I hope that listeners are really hearing that because this is a time in our life. We just need to slow down. We need to reflect. We need to give ourselves that space and the breath. And prenatal yoga is such a beautiful way. So is journaling and the everything you were just mentioning. Such, such great ways to connect with your baby and to just honor your body and honor
1: this huge metamorphic time in life. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's another thing too that I think for some people they might feel really stressed out or sometimes upset about how their body's changing too. And and there were moments of that for me too, where like say when I wanted to do things or wanted to lift things or, you know, wanted to do an activity that I knew kind of in my gut. I'm like, I just don't feel comfortable doing this anymore. That was that was hard and the hard adjustment to make. And that, like you're saying, honoring the changes that are happening in your body when you can see it in a more positive light as often as you can. I feel like it also really just helped the comfortability with my body's not going to be the same ever again. Like this is changing. And but at the end of almost 10 months, you have a baby like there's a new human that's in this world. So finding those ways to honor yourself and really take care of of you is also what I've been finding is really helpful now being a mom to remind myself to do those things again, or how important it is to just take a walk or pop in a podcast or do that journaling um, to reconnect because it's very easy once you get busy with a little one to lose that and lose that time. Yes, it is. One other thing you were
0: just bringing up that I want to point out is so many of my students who come to class here in New York City, it's a very busy place. So many people express a lot of anxiety, which is, I think, you know, a combination of the fears of what lies ahead, but also just the state of living in New York tends to be stressful, right. you know? And so it's all the more important for those of us who live in an urban environment that is fast paced, especially in New York. I think it's all the more important to really slow down and honor this time. So I'm so glad you're talking 100%. about all of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so so I did. we did all of that. And then the education piece was huge for me. That was really important. And I wanted to walk my talk. And so we were, we were interested in doing a birth education class. We did a lot of research around that. And I had posted a request on Mommily, the Astoria mom group. And I got so many recommendations to take your class, to take their like birth matters, like find Lisa, go take her class. And so we, we chose to do the online portion just for scheduling reasons. That was easier for us. And then we got to do the in-person comfort measures class with you, which was really helpful. And that, the education piece for me, that's my thing is like, in order for me to feel more relaxed and excited about something is to feel over-prepared. If I, I want to know something backwards and forwards so that I have no questions before walking in the door, which with birth, you're going to have questions and you can't control everything that's going to happen, of course, but it really, that just made me feel so much more relaxed about the whole process. And I
0: think that's, That tends to be for New Yorkers, the approach that more information is better. That's not true for everybody. Some people find it more anxiety producing, but for those of us who do find that equipping really helps us settle into things with more peace and more trust. Yeah, I think, and and I'm one of those as well, which is probably one reason that I'm doing this work. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is too, I totally forgot about this. I did my doula training in January of last year. So a year ago, actually a year ago today. And I did that really, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a doula, but again, it was like this fascination with birth. This is a cool time to do it. I wanted to be present for my sister's birth. Because she has a baby four months older than my daughter, Francesca. So they have cousins so close in age, which is so fun. And so I, I thought I would go for it and do the training. It was really helpful for my own birth and and for a lot of friends. Because I have a lot of pregnant mama friends. And I just really love being the person to reach out to and answer questions and help support others too. And who did you do that training with? I did that training with Deborah. Um and, Bonaro. Uh-huh. Yes, Pascale Bonaro. Yes, Pascali Bonaro and uh, at birthday presents in, in Brooklyn. And it was so amazing. I've told my friends who are interested in that world, I'm like, if you can swing it for the time and the money, it was just such a beautiful training. Even if you're not interested in being like a professional doula, just to sometimes you might be present for a sister's birth, for a friend's birth, a stranger's birth. You never know, I guess, right? it was just such a beautiful training to connect with other women. And actually we did have a man in our training too, which was really awesome. It was, it was great. It was so cool. If there's a training that I'm slightly interested in, I will probably jump on it if I can do it. Cause it's just more education for me is so fun.
0: I'm the same way. And I actually would love to take her training, even though I've done the basic training, you know, 10 years ago I did, but I didn't do it with her. And I just would love that different perspective.
1: She's incredible. She's really incredible. She's a force and really held such a beautiful space for us to learn and connect in.
0: Mm, Yeah. I'll be sure to link to her website in the show notes. Cool.
1: Wonderful. Anything else you want to talk about prenatally before you launch into your birth story? Um, the only other thing, too, was to bring back the aromatherapy piece that I'll mention just for mamas who might be interested there there are specific essential oils that are safe during pregnancy that you can use to help with nausea in the beginning if that's something really really throughout if that's proving itself difficult, which it was in the beginning for me. I really leaned into that. My sense of smell was in insanely heightened I like I was not like at the very top of the spectrum on that one like JP my husband would open the bread bag in the kitchen I'd be like in the bedroom like I smell bread shut the bag it was like ridiculous (laughs) and and uh yeah that was tough so I made these little aromatherapy little sniffy sticks and they're super easy to make and I actually I will put instructions on that on moving piece if, uh, if someone is interested to check that out, it's so easy. And I would just keep them in my pocket and just waft it under my nose or just take a deep breath. If there was something else in the space, wherever I was, that was bothering me, that was super, super helpful.
0: You do have to be more careful about like topical and of course internal yes. use in pregnancy. So this is more of a just
1: diffusing kind of mm-hmm. effect. Exactly. Yeah. Aromatic is the way to go, especially in the beginning of pregnancy. Um it's very, very safe to diffuse or use these little diffuser sticks.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you for adding that. That's great to know. And I will... Eagerly look at your instructions on your website (laughs) for that. I actually bought some of the supplies to make those Mm -hmm. and I just, I never quite got around to doing it yet. So that this will maybe motivate me to (laughs) actually do it. (laughs) Great. Well, do you want to go ahead and launch into your birth story? You can start like in the, you know,
1: weeks leading up or days leading up or wherever you want to start. Okay. Yeah. So when I was about 30 weeks along, the Braxton Hicks contractions began and they were very intense. In the beginning, I wasn't even sure that's what they were. It made me very nervous with this like really intense tightening. It was at the top of my belly more. Some people say that it's lower. For me, it was very high. I had gotten a lot of energy back in the second trimester, right? And then third trimester, those contractions really were kicking my butt. And again, <laughs> reminding me to slow down, like take a break, pump the brakes. Um, so I did that and I staying super hydrated was that made a big, big difference. I drank so much water. It was like when I thought I drank enough, I'd drink more and then more. So I didn't stop going to the bathroom. It was like constant peeing. Um, but it was really worth it. Cause I could feel the difference with the hydration and with rest. Um, and that was as per my midwife, like whenever I would check in with her, she was like, take a rest and drink more water. Um so that was really helpful. Then when I, that continued all the way through really towards the end, when I was about 36 weeks, I want to say along, I could definitely feel a difference in my belly. Like it started to feel like it was dropping and I was carrying very low. I continue, oh, I hear the little gadget. <laughs> I hear the little one. She heard my story. She's like mommy, you're telling my story without me I'm going to give her a minute though. We're working on the solo nap business right now. So we're going to give her a second. So then it was about 30. I was 38 weeks and five days when I went into labor. Yes. She was like a smidge early, but that was my request to her. The entire pregnancy, I kept saying to her, I'm like, I feel like you're really due on. Uh, on August eighteenth, I kept saying August eighteenth. that's my grandmother's birthday. And uh, she was born on the seventeenth, so she listened very close to her date. And on a fr- it was a Friday night. I didn't feel great Friday. I kind of stayed in bed all day. I did some painting. i which I hadn't done in a long time. I took up my watercolors and I did some writing. There she is. You want to grab her from me. Huh? he's gonna grab my little honey so she can come sit and join the combo and then I felt better in the evening and so I a friend and I went for a really long walk around Astoria I think I might have walked like a mile and a half which thinking about that now I'm like what was I nuts? (laughs) really far but I felt pretty good so I had a smoothie and it was really hot because it was August and we took our time we just took a nice slow walk around Astoria and then um, I brought a pizza home. I, we ate a, I little, ate a little, pizza with my husband. I went to bed late after I finished packing my bag that night. And then I woke up at like three in the morning. I was starving and he was up editing. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you can't stay up late like this anymore. Like, what if I have the baby soon and you're going to go into labor being like a no sleep? And he's like, oh, I'll come to bed. I'll come to bed. I ate a piece of pizza. And then I wrote in my journal this is now August 17th. I wrote in my journal uh, about, I think you're going to come this week. I was hoping you'll be here on Sunday. So maybe you'll surprise me and be here on the day that I've been requesting. And then I went back to bed and then I woke up at 630, just like three and a half hours later. And I lost my mucus plug. And I was, I like ran out of the bathroom. I woke up my husband. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I think I'm losing my mucus plug. And I'm like, then i'm thinking is are people excited for this like is this the normal reaction to have to this i'm texting my sister then i text my doula and i was really excited and then i felt like maybe i should go back to bed because i really didn't get that much sleep just in case this is really happening today then i thought some people lose it and then they don't have a baby for a week so who knows so i went back to bed i couldn't sleep because i was too excited and and then my husband had to get up because he was picking up his friend at the airport who was visiting from Japan. He was going to spend the night with us, so he went to get him. And then I got up after he left again. i like, I might as well get up and get going. And I went to the bathroom, and then my water broke. And I wasn't sure it was my water because it's tricky, right, when you're peeing and water's coming out. It's like, is this – I don't know. Is this happening? Am I sure about it? Around what time is this? This is 7.30 a.m., about peanut do you want to come join me you yeah you can come sit with me hi you want to join the oh park? my
0: goodness oh. look at those cheeks
1: <laughs> yeah we got cheeks for days hi you want to come sit should we tell you the rest of your story because it happened very quickly <laughs> you were eager to come <laughs> very eager yes yeah. so so yeah so water broke at seven around seven thirty and then I, yeah. yeah, we were, I was excited. I was like, this is happening today. So again, I alert my doula, Felicia, who was incredible. And I called my midwife and let her know, and her name's Laura. And she's just like super calm and on the phone. She's like, okay, that's great. It was probably your water. Why don't you, you know, start get thinking about moving in this direction? Because the hospital we chose to give birth at was uh about an hour from us so we knew we had a decent ride so we didn't want to wait too late to leave but I also am thinking like this is my first baby this is everyone's telling me this is gonna take you know on average is it you can correct me is it like between 12 and 18 hours maybe could be days we don't know so I didn't want to rush there either so I wanted pancakes I was like I want a real breakfast before we go anywhere I'm making pancakes so I'm in the kitchen, I'm making chocolate chip pancakes, and then the contraction started around like eight o'clock. I'm like, okay. All right. I can handle these a little intense for the minute or so. They, about, they were about a minute, maybe 45 seconds at first, but I kept going, powered through. My husband came home with his friend from the airport and I was like, well, we're having a baby today so he can eat breakfast with us, but then we're going to have to find some other plans for him for tonight. And so he was surprised. And of course, JP had been up all night editing. So I was on like a couple hours sleep. I, I just knew that was going to happen. And uh, so we all sat down. We had breakfast together. And then I had to excuse myself about halfway through pancakes because it really got intense. Huh? So I went to take a hot shower because I was feeling a lot of back labor. The pain was mostly for me in, or the intensity was, a, was mostly my lower back. Yeah, and so moving and, uh, and the hot water really, really helped. So I just hung out in the bathroom for a while and realized that this was moving really fast. I started tracking on the nap uh, my contractions and I let my doula know it was moving really quickly. So she was headed towards us around 10 a.m. And then she walked in the door around, I want to say 11 maybe 11 she had got to us and I could no longer finish my sentences. I was totally in active labor. I was moving so fast and the contractions were maybe eight minutes apart. And so we knew I was like, we got to get in the car right now or we are not going to make it. So my poor husband was trying to read my mind as I would start a (laughs) sentence. I'm like, get the, and I couldn't finish it. And he's like, Oh, running around like kind of a nut. just like oh, Felicia's great. She walked in the door. She's like, okay, let's grab the bag. We need a couple towels for the car, <laughs> right? We grabbed the headphones for my – I had a – she had prepared a, a playlist for me that was like a hypnobirthing um, guided meditation. It was really helpful. And we got in the car and we boogied. And the car ride was really hard. That was – I was – must have been in transition in the car. So it was very, very intense. That back labor was really tough. Thank God we had Felicia in the car with us. So JP could focus on driving. And she sat in the back seat with me and gave me lots of back massages.
0: A couple of quick things I wanted to yeah. just ask is when your waters released or broke, was it a big gush or was it sort of a trickle? Or
1: It was, it was more of a trickle. The first, the first one was more of a trickle. When my waters broke and then in the car, thank goodness Felicia also said grab towels (laughs) because we would have made a mess in the car otherwise. I felt another gush right as we approached the hospital and that felt more like a gush. And then when I stood up to get out of the car, it was another gush of water. Yeah. The
0: other thing I just wanted to mention for listeners who are learning about this process is the eight minute frequency, that's pretty far apart in terms of, usually that's not active labor, but birth is not linear mm-hmm. and we can't always trust the whole textbook thing. And it sounds right. like you just knew based on the length and the strength more that this is serious business. So yeah. I just I
1: just wanted to mention that. Oh, totally. And the other thing that kind of alerted me other, the, other than not being able to finish my sentences, which I knew I had heard many times, like that is really a sign that you need to move it if you're not in the space where you're going to give birth um, or you're planning to give birth. And the other thing for me was the, the speed to which I had moved already. Like waters broke, waters broke at 7, 8, mm-hmm. like 7, 730. And this was only at 10 a.m. So it was only a couple hours. I was feeling like this is not going to take all day. This is mm-hmm. happening now. Great. Um yeah. So so back so, to the car. <laughs> yeah, so we so we the car ride was really tough. The her she Felicia was massaging me a lot and she just kept putting the earbud back in my ear if it fell out to keep focused on um the guided meditation. Do you remember what kind of position or positions plural you were in in the car? Yeah, I had some pillows with me too, so I was I was on my side at first, like sort of leaning into the into the window which felt good at first. And then it was just really hard to, it felt like it was really hard to be sitting. And I imagine if I had not been in the car and already was in the space where I was going to give birth, I would have wanted to be moving. Like I, I had this urge to just lean forward and I was grabbing onto the to the driver's seat, poor JP, because I was sitting behind him. I was grabbing onto the driver's seat seats and sort of pulling myself forward and using that as something to grip onto cuz that also felt really good in those moments of high intensity was to was to squeeze which i also remembered you telling us in your class like if you have rings on take them off before <laughs> just in case you're in those intense squeezes you don't hurt somebody's fingers i get it and your doula was massaging you. Do you remember what parts yes. of your body? What- my lower back mostly. She just sort of really kept that, that pressure, almost like a pressure pointing on my lower back, like by my sacrum. And then hip squeezes too were really helpful. And she also did the, um, the pressure point in between my thumb and index finger. So to strengthen your contractions? Well, that was when, uh, to distract me from the pain more. Oh, interesting. Cause that is a pressure point that can strengthen and lengthen contractions, but it didn't yes. sound like you needed any help with that. Definitely didn't need help with that. <laughs> Maybe that was once we got to the hospital, she did those. I could be confusing that. Um, yeah. you Cause you're in labor land at this point. Right. Yeah. And it kind of, in some ways it sort of mushed together. Right. Totally. Sure. Yeah. And so then we got to the hospital, we rolled right up to the emergency room. We knew that we had to go through that way. Cause I felt like at that point, when we drove up to emergency, I was holding back, pushing. I could feel this intense, very like instinctual sense to bear down and push, but I knew I can't do that right now unless I want to have this baby in the car, right, Frankie, unless you were gonna pop out in the car so I was really holding back on that, and as much as I could, what hospital was this? This is at Huntington Hospital on Long Island uh, and we went there because they have really it's an amazing hospital, it's beautiful, and they have a really amazing midwifery practice within the hospital so um laura knew that we were on our way Uh, felicia also texted my midwife to tell her that things were moving really fast because it was a saturday just to make sure that she was there and ready to go and i think that was really important too and in terms of communication, and so Laura was ready. She was there in, in the ED when we got in the emergency department. When we got there, and they just took me in a wheelchair, scooted me straight to labor and delivery, and uh, they stopped my husband to ask him all sorts of crazy questions. Which I don't think the person who was admitting us realized how quickly this was moving. And so he's, you know, she's asking him things like is your wife a veteran? Is she... And he's like, lady, I got to go. I can answer these later. And he's like running behind us. And by the time he got to the room, I was already on the bed and the nurse was putting my IV in, like had stripped off my... I had like a little nightgown on uh, and things were really moving quickly. So as soon as I crawled onto the bed, I just assumed hands and knees, the position of being on hands and knees, sort of like cat-cow. And... That's what felt good to me. And the midwife was totally cool with that. So she checked me in that position. I was fully dilated. And she said, the next contraction, push, give it a try. Like go for it, girl. And Mm -hmm. so I did. And it it it's so interesting to me to hear birth stories too. I'm so interested on, on what women feel in that moment of like some people say that they feel the sensation to to bear down and push. And others, it's hard for them to know when to do that. And they really lean into the coaching for that. And I felt it, It, to me, it was just so instinctual. It was like this very, like, I want to use the word like tribal and um, there's a word I'm missing, but I just, maybe primal. Primal. Primal Mm -hmm. is the word I meant to say. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. Very primal. Where. To be on my hands and knees, I had, like, a pillow underneath my chest. I was holding either my husband or Felicia's hand on one side. I had this really great nurse, the delivery nurse, on the other side of me, you know, reminding me to breathe. And Felicia used, like, I was so hot. I was really hot. I, like, didn't want anything touching my skin. I did not – it was, like, instantly not caring about being naked in front of a lot of people. And – And, you know, with your bum in the air, in Cat Cow, like, my butt's facing everyone. I I did have that thought where I'm like, my butt's totally in the air, and everyone is looking at that. Um, and, And then it was about maybe 30, 40 minutes max of pushing, and Frankie was here, which was just, like, an incredible shock. I think there was more shock than anything for me. I wanted to say something else about pushing before I went into that. Were they, it
0: sounds like that you didn't need any coaching because you were having no. the urge, but were what was everybody around you
1: doing? Yeah. So I had, I had requested as much silence as possible for the moment of pushing and for, for her birth. I really didn't, I didn't want it to be a noisy space. I wanted to be able to hear her. I wanted her to hear my voice or my husband's voice first if possible, you know, if everything was going well. And so the nurse, my midwife was Laura. was so incredible in that way where she's very grounded. She's very calm. There was no sense, even though this was moving so fast and there was an urgency to what was happening around me. She didn't feel it didn't. I didn't get the feeling from her that anything was wrong, that um, I should be worried in any fashion. So that her even keeled energy was super helpful for me because I didn't stress out at all. I was just really in the moment. And I had my eyes closed for most of it too. It's just how I stayed really in my zone was keeping my eyes closed. And the nurse who was with me was great at coaching in terms of what I asked for was was more quiet, but I needed a little help on... Uh, knowing how long to hold the push, like that, to me felt a little confusing at first because um, my body was telling me to bear down, but then in my, I got a little bit in my head where I was thinking, is it good for me to hold it longer, or should I like let go when I don't feel the contraction anymore? And so I asked for that help from her, and so I could hear it was. I think it was going from Laura, the midwife, who was kind of down below watching and and I could feel her sort of checking and not that she was massaging but sort of moving her hands in a way that was helping to guide Frankie's head out as she was crowning and then the nurse would just tell me she I would tell me how long to hold she would give me that instruction so that I knew when to let go if I could hold it that long was your
0: midwife doing some lubrication maybe and then some perennial massage, a little bit of stretching that area I think out? a little bit of stretching maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty standard among midwives and OBs.
1: Yeah. Do, that. do you remember
0: feeling the ring of fire, the intense burning, the stretching?
1: Yeah, I do. That, that, I, there was, And she kind of let me know that was about to happen, I guess, based on watching Frankie and knowing that her head was right there, ready to come. She told me that like the next push, her head's right there. So you're going to feel that intensity. And to me, it definitely felt like it's explained. It felt like the ring of fire, but it was, I don't know if someone would like slap me for saying this, but it really didn't feel that bad. It was like, I feel like it was a little more hyped up to me or like to kind of feel like scared about it than it really had to be but maybe that was also because the transition was so hard in the car at that point i was like oh this is nothing and i'm ready to meet this baby like <laughs> like I, after that that transition was was tough and i can imagine for women who are in labor for much longer like i was exhausted at that point it had only been like 6 hours so i really feel for people who are you know pushing for a much longer duration I just
0: wanted to ask you when you mentioned your hospital that's a rare place for my students in here in the city to go mm-hmm. what was the journey like in finding your care provider and finding deciding yeah. to go with that hospital Sure that's a
1: yes that was a big piece of it actually I at first I really wanted to do a home birth I was really set on that but there was a few things holding us back I mean the space physically we didn't have a great space to to have a home birth, like the apartment we were living in, I just don't think that would have been the best scenario. Um, yeah. And then insurance was another big piece of it. I work for Northwell Health, so I needed to find a provider within Northwell. And the midwifery practice at Huntington is the only one within Northwell that is based in the hospital setting. And that's that would be fully covered for me. So that's what brought us that far away from the city. But then once I got there and I walked into that hospital, I was like, I don't care how far it is. We're, I'm having the baby here. The midwives, all four of them really, are so incredible. They made us instantly feel so comfortable. And it's not a city hospital, <laughs> not to poo-poo on the city at all. But the vibe there, the energy there is calm. It is quiet. It has this community hospital feeling but with the safety of a well-equipped full hospital setting it was everything you needed there plus a really nice quiet calm setting so it was the mm-hmm. best of all the worlds for us and um, about how long did that drive take from us it took, it took a full hour it was yeah. a full hour and but that sounds was- really worth it <laughs> But yeah. yes, was that scary though when you're in the a heat of labor? Bit. A little bit. We were really lucky it was Saturday morning and there wasn't that much traffic. And I yeah, if if there was traffic, if it was a different time of day, we would have had this baby in the car. <laughs> she would have been born on the L I E. Which would have been okay too. <laughs> right, Frankie, we would have done it. But coming yeah. back to the moments of birth. Yeah. So then then I, you know, I was on hands and knees, so it took a moment to kind of get ourselves together. I had to flip myself over to sit down so I could hold her. And they, their practice, their standard practice at Huntington, as long as everything's good and well with baby and mama, is to have a full hour of skin to skin. And that's what we got, which we were so, so happy to have. And I... I don't know. I I had some expectations going in of what that moment would be like, of like, am I going to cry and be really emotional? Am I going to, I don't know. I kind of thought that, that I would be, but I honestly think the shock value that this baby came so fast, I just didn't even have a moment at that point to feel that. I was just sitting there and I have a picture, which I can crop a little bit so you don't see my parts, but that I can add to your show notes. Because I think it's just beautiful and fascinating. Of my midwife handing the baby to me, and it's just this face of complete like awe and shock. And I was just sitting there, like, I was just making pancakes, and I have a baby. (laughs) There's a baby with us right now on me, and I'm meeting her, and it was really incredible. It was just such a cool moment. Um,
0: Have you heard of a concept called the birth pause? Yes, yeah. Yeah, cuz sometimes it is almost like too much all at once especially when it happens as yes. quickly as it did for you. Sometimes we need a minute before having baby thrust on our on our chest, you know, to just kind of like Yes. What just happened? <laughs> the little pause.
1: Yeah. yeah, I can totally appreciate the pause. Uh-huh. And it was beautiful. It was really exciting and and Wild yeah. and I know and just nuts. It just felt totally nuts. Like my husband and I were looking at each other like, this is our baby.
2: How how did this happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And the nurses were awesome there too. Like they really gave us our space. They didn't we didn't feel rushed. We didn't feel I'm trying to think if there was there was the only thing was her temperature that she was like a little bit cool. So they they wanted at first to bring her to the warmer and I just asked. Can you can can we grab an extra blanket instead and just try that for a few minutes on me? And they let they let us do that. And Yay, then, Mama's yeah. the best warmer. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of in my head. I was like, mm, I'm really hot, so I think that I can warm <laughs> her up right now. I'm still sweating. <laughs> Hi, we were sweaty messes, <laughs> and then things really. Like, that hour went by so fast, that first – the hour of skin-to-skin skin and having time with her. I looked at the clock. I couldn't believe it when they were already, like, ready to, to get us moving a little bit and, and measure her and see how long she was and how big she was. She was 6 pounds, 12 ounces, and she was 18 inches long, a little peanut, huh? Just the right size for her small mommy. I'm tiny, too, so it was perfect and then our families were already, you know, knocking down the door, and I asked for everyone to give us some time, because I wasn't ready to see everybody. I really wanted a little more space, and then she needed her vitamin K shot, and she also got the other vaccine, the T. what is that one?
0: Well, the eye gel, the erythromycin?
1: Yes. Is that what you're thinking of? She got that, but then she did need another vaccine. Maybe Hep B. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what it was. And my request to that was I was okay with doing the vaccines at the time of birth, but I wanted to be present for them and also for them to like do all of her check with the pediatrician who was gonna check her out. So it was kind of funny because when I when they said, Okay, we're gonna bring her to the nursery for the vitamin K and bring you to to like the post the recovery area. And then, like you'll we'll sort of reunite baby and you once you get there. And I was like, "Oh, could I be there for that process?" And they were, it was funny because they kind of they were like, "Oh, yeah, that would be that would be fine." It was like they didn't have a problem with it, but it just hadn't. I guess they don't get that request as often. So uh, that's what we did. Yeah, right, Frankie. We went to the nursery together, and. The NP checked you out and gave you your vaccines, and you were right there with me, and she was a total champ, and then we went to the room, and we relaxed, and then we had some visitors, and I was just sitting there like this all day, like, what? How did this happen? There's a baby with me. So, so happy.
0: So then, do you want to share at all about initial breastfeeding and sure going yeah, home? home.
1: Yes. So breastfeeding w- during that first hour that we had, she latched right away, which was great. That got me feeling good about things. And then from there, it was a little bit tricky. We had a little bit of a learning curve, like I think most mommies probably do. Right? You're not so happy? Might be running out of time. <laughs> yes. Huh? You want to stay with daddy for a minute? I'll finish up our story. So breastfeeding for us uh, in the very beginning was tricky. I'm sure a lot of moms, you know, have ups and downs with that too, which I kind of learned uh, after the fact. I feel like I did so much education around it. I took I took actually a few breastfeeding classes beforehand because I really wanted to, again, over-prepare myself. And they're really helpful. Oh. Education is great, but you – are learning with your baby too. That's something I learned. And that I really tell a lot of my friends and students now is that to be really patient with yourself. For me, I needed to just, again, pump the brakes, take deep breaths, and constantly remind myself that we're both learning. She's learning how to eat. I'm learning how to feed her. And it was very painful in the beginning of just like, you know, your nipples are getting used to that friction and are sore. And I'd say the first week was really, really hard at home. Like once we got home too, and I would do a lot of that like positive self-talk to keep myself calm. But my husband was also really, really helpful. And I think he took a lot from what we loved about your course, actually, your online course is that you had this specific um, videos that were in the lessons that were for the partner it would be like the topic and then the topic for the partner. And those things really helped him because, you know, he recalled a lot of that in the moment and he just did a lot of encouraging of it's okay. I, this is really hard. I wish I could, I wish I could do this. Like, I wish, I wish I, I wish I could breastfeed that. He would make me laugh and try to bring some comic relief to it too. But having his support was really helpful because then I didn't feel like I was alone in it, that I that I had him to even if I got really upset about it, he could take the baby and give me a minute to compose myself and and try again. And then I saw a lactation consultant on day, I would say hmm, she was about five days old. It was really nice because there's a pediatrician in Astoria, a pediatric office, Astoria Pediatrics. I'll give them a shout out because they're amazing. And they have a nurse practitioner on their staff who is a lactation consultant. So our first visit at the practice at the office was like Frankie's first check of like her checkup, her newborn checkup, plus the visit with the NP. She just did it all at once. And then she did the lactation consultant session with me and Frankie. And then we did our week follow-up with her too. So she could see how things were going, checked her weight. And that, that was so helpful
0: thank you so much for sharing that because I know that Astoria Pediatrics is one of the neighborhood favorites, but I did not know that they have a lactation consultant there. That is fantastic. Yeah. Wow, because you're going so frequently with your baby to the right? pediatrician. Why not like address both things because pediatricians don't usually have breastfeeding expertise. That's just not part of what they learn right. in medical school. Right. Oh, that's
1: wonderful to know. Yeah. Thank you. That was really helpful. And I've, you know, been hearing a lot of stories from other friends who are new moms as well, and who also had struggles in the beginning with feeding, if they, if many of them wanted to breastfeed. And it seemed like their experiences with the pediatrician, often, for almost all of them, they had to at some point either use formula for a day or two while they were waiting for their milk to come in, or like, there was a lot of different things like that were in my mind. and like, I know that's fine. And that's Helping them get through this, and you got to feed the baby when the baby's hungry. I totally am with that. But to have the, the lactation consultant be a part of that visit with the baby was so different because she, in her eyes, she was like, Well, I can help. Let's, I'll help you figure this out. Like, let's give this another day or two. Let's keep watching her wait. Come back in a week and we'll see how it's going. And she was so like confident and calm about it. it, helped me relax. She's like, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. And that also made me feel really good about it. So to have that in the same moment versus having to go to a lactation consultant outside of that definitely made it easier. But my recommendation to moms who want to breastfeed is to have maybe a few names of lactation consultants before labor and birth. because. Mm-hmm in those moments you can the exhaustion the the lack of like brain power at that point I, you are not in a space to be looking people up and asking for recommendations that's very hard so to have that ready beforehand is important
0: Absolutely. And I think since you guys took my online course, I have added a couple of bullet points to partner tips for supporting the breastfeeding relationship. And one of the ones is do the legwork for her, make the calls to find a lactation consultant to come help because it is too much. It does feel like I can't do this right now. And to have those names beforehand is also really important. And yeah. Yes. So, thanks yeah. for sharing that.
1: Yeah. So, that was really once we got beyond the first couple of weeks, it got a lot better. Frankie's latch was a little off. So, it was just working on getting her better latched as best as I could. And she's, she is not uh, an Italian. Um, I have an Italian background. We call like a big eater a gavone. Frankie is not a gavone. Like, she's, she's a good eater, but if she's distracted, she kind of forgets even that she's hungry. So, I think that was a part of it too, of just learning her and learning how to help that process along. And now, even once we hit about, once she turned five months, it's probably a few weeks ago, her newest thing now is being very distracted, which again, it's like now she realized she likes, you know, daddy's voice, when, or, you know, someone walks in the room and starts talking. She wants to know what's going on. That's like a new new little thing that we're working through. Now when we're feeding, it has to be quiet and dim and no stimulation at all for her to focus and eat. Or else they're like yanking your boob all over the place. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> Looking like, all uh, over. yeah like, I remember very, that. It's not a nice dismount. Okay. <laughs> no. Like, take, Watch mommy, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that was it's it's been a journey and I think it's a different journey for everyone and I try so hard to encourage my friends to really take the pressure off themselves. It's like you know, for a lot of moms it's important to them to breastfeed and I think there's also sometimes this added pressure of this is the best thing to do for your baby and so at all costs you have to do it, but it's not. And it's the best for that moment in time, if that's what's best for you and your baby. And however you need to get that baby fed is how you get that baby fed and and try to take the pressure off yourself. Because if you do work at it and really stay diligent around, you know, taking care of yourself and your breasts and, and having the support of a consultant or your partner, you can get there. But it, it's okay if you take a different path, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yes, because yeah. a, a lot of something that a lot of people don't realize until they're in it or on the other side of it is that there can be real serious mental health consequences when we're putting too much pressure on ourselves or when we're deeply struggling with this whole feeding thing and like the pressure and the guilt and all of that. Mm -hmm. And our mental health is so important in this journey, you know? So yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, is there anything else before we wrap things up, anything that you haven't gotten to share that you'd like to share or any insights
1: for expectant parents who might be listening? Yeah. Um, The other thing I would add, something else that, I did, I'm thinking back now, with the prenatal yoga, a lot of my students were actually first time yoga goers that a lot of people who don't, they're like, I'm not, I'm not into yoga. I don't really like that. And that's fine. You know, it's not for everybody, but there are so many different styles of yoga that if you become pregnant and you're interested in using prenatal yoga to help you through your pregnancy, I highly recommend trying it, even if you feel like yoga is not for me, because it's very different from any other style of yoga. It's very, it's very slow. In most cases, there's definitely ways to build muscle to or keep muscle tone to in your arms and your legs and your body that you need, that you need for birth that are really helpful for after birth to, to be holding and taking care of a baby. And And it's really like my motto in teaching prenatal yoga is like, you do whatever you want, like whatever feels good. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. If you want to lay down and take a nap during prenatal yoga, you can. There is no judgment. There's, it's really just like a free space to have that hour for yourself a week and, um, and get quiet with yourself and feel grounded on a mat. I just, I can't recommend it enough to just try it even if you think you're not a yogi. And then the other thing also, sometimes it's hard to find prenatal yoga. So finding online videos, YouTube's a great place, a great thing to use. And also spinning babies is one of my favorite resources for so many different topics. Mm -hmm. I went to that website a lot. Whenever I had a question about something, they have this great like listserv that you can join that goes by week with you through your pregnancy. And that I found to be really, really helpful. And they also have a video that you can purchase, like a, um, a module online that's prenatal yoga. And it has like a stretching component to it. And I used that for myself almost every day, as often as I could do it, for the, especially in the last trimester. That was huge. The class that they offer, it was very inexpensive too. I think it's under $20. And then you have it and you can watch it as many times as you want. And um, I I really, really enjoyed that a lot. They even give you like tips on sleeping positions for when you're in more advanced stage of pregnancy. That was really helpful. And the stretching. I really liked the stretch one. Because if you don't like yoga, you can still get on the floor and stretch. and, And that's so helpful, I can tell you. I think that made a huge difference in how I felt in my pregnancy towards the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big smile. And also for pushing for birth. It was big.
0: Nice. Great. Thank you so much. This has been yeah. wonderful to get to chat and hear all of these wonderful details and for you to share your expertise on aromatherapy and prenatal yoga. It's, I love it. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes, you're welcome. So, Thank you I, for
0: having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. I hope to see you in the neighborhood soon. All right. Well, have a great day and thanks again. You too. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Nicole. That's it for today's story. I hope you enjoyed Nicole's soulful details of her metamorphosis into motherhood as much as I did. We go through all the newborn protocols in birth class, but I'll just say a couple of quick things on this today. There are three newborn procedures that in New York are state-mandated and are the only three things that I don't recommend anyone try to opt out of because hospital staff threaten to call Child Protective Services whenever anyone does. These procedures are the vitamin K shot, eye ointment, or erythromycin, and the PKU heel stick test. Two of the three are done right after birth, and the PKU test is usually done soon before the family is sent home in an uncomplicated scenario, or sometime in between 48 hours and one week after birth, whatever the birth setting, and the PKU heel stick is testing for a whole bunch of hematological illnesses. The vitamin K shot is a shot that's given in baby's thigh shortly after birth. Newborns are born with a lowish amount of vitamin K and have a surge of it around day seven. While all newborns don't need the supplement of vitamin K, there's a rare baby who might have a condition similar to hemophilia and has an inability for their blood to clot. Because there's no way to know in advance which baby has this very serious condition, it's standard protocol to give all babies this supplement to protect that unknown rare baby. The eye ointment, or erythromycin, is a low-dose antibiotic gel that's put all over newborns' eyes. This is primarily to prevent a baby from potentially going blind as they come through the vagina if a mother has chlamydia or gonorrhea. Surprisingly, even when babies are born surgically in a C-section, they still get the eye ointment. One thing I encourage expectant parents to consider is to make a special request to delay as many of the newborn protocols as possible for at least an hour or two after birth. This is to protect what we call the golden hour, which is the first one to two hours after baby's birth when baby's in what we call the quiet alert state, thanks to the surge of adrenaline you and your baby got in the pushing stage. This quiet alert state is the most ideal time for lots of skin-to-skin cuddling and for initiating breastfeeding, so it's biologically best to minimize disruptions as much as possible. They can usually delay the eye ointment and vitamin K shot as well as weighing and measuring the baby for at least an hour upon request. This is something you could ask your care provider to put in your chart in advance, but you may need to remember to verbally remind the nurses in real time as many of them are used to doing them right away in a hospital setting. There's often a lot more flexibility in birthing centers and home births on these protocols. I recommend, whenever you think you're making a special request in any birth setting, to ask what the norm is before making the request. Perhaps you'll just happen to be giving birth somewhere that knows protecting the golden hour is best for the mother-baby dyad. I'll link to information on the PKU test in this episode's show notes over at birthmattersshow.com. You'll see I've also linked there to the many resources that were mentioned. Nicole's website, recommended books, a spinning baby's yoga video, information on the concept of the birth pause, Nicole's recommended pediatrician, the doula trainer who was mentioned, Deborah Pascali Bonaro, and more. Also remember, you can always find lots of photos of the families who share as well as episode transcripts over at birthmattershow.com. Okay, here's a sneak peek of what's up
2: next week. I really wanted to go do a tour of the hospital because I like to visualize like the scene ahead of time. But the nurse navigator said that if you wanted to see a room, you could call her or text her and she would let you know when there was one open and you could run up really quick and hope to see it. <laughs> so I got like a personal tour to go see one of the rooms. This woman is, like, really great. I ended up, like, hanging out with her after for a little bit. Like, I was, like, in her office, and she's just telling me about, I don't know, we were talking about birth stuff. And I said that I wanted to try a natural birth. And, like, she said, it was basically, like, Yoda from Star Wars. She was just, like, just, you're going to do it, you know. There's no try. (laughs) Like, you're just going to do it. (laughs) And that, like, those words I kept in my head. And the other thing she said was, never ask for the epidural during a contraction, like wait until the middle. So like you're in your own brain and during labor, like there was no pain in between the contractions. So I always felt like I could do another one because I had that in my head.
0: Until next time, your thought for this week is to remember to slow down and reflect during this transformative time in your life. Thanks for listening to the Birth Matters podcast and be well.